And now from Isaiah 60, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples, but the Lord will arise upon you, and His glory will appear over you. Nations shall come to your light, the kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look around, they all gather together, they come to you. Your sons shall come from far away, and your daughters shall be carried on their nurses' arms. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and rejoice, because the abundance of the sea shall be brought to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you. The young camels of Midian and Ephah, all those from Sheba, shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense and shall proclaim the praise of the Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. In the prophetic writings, Isaiah being one example of many, the authors deal with the dark side of life. They often are pointing out where injustice is happening in the lives of the people or the tribe or the nation. They want to talk about oppression and what is going wrong and how God would like to set that right. They often use evocative language, sometimes hyperbole, to try to get our attention, to get us to pay attention. You can hear it in verse 2 when Isaiah writes, For darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples. Now often we talk about darkness in our own lives and contrast darkness and light. We did this on Christmas Eve. During my sermon, I talked about some seasons of darkness that I have walked through, and we talked about how it's a common human experience to have dark days or difficult passages we go through and how God can help us and how light will shine again. But often in the prophetic writings, these authors are not talking so much about personal darkness. Often they are looking at a larger sphere of things which impact the tribe or the nation or the world. So I was reading through Isaiah here. It reminded me of an article I read recently. I'm in an interfaith reading group. So once a month, I meet with people, leaders from other Christian denominations, as well as members of the Jewish community and the Islamic community. We all do the same homework, read the same article, then get together to discuss it from our particular faith perspectives. How do we understand it? How does that connect to our faith? How is that the same or different from yours? It's a wonderful group of people that come to discuss The last article we read before the end of the year was about climate change. Now, I've heard about climate change and global warming. I bet you have, too. I would imagine that you've even thought about or maybe participate in recycling or doing other things that help decrease your negative impact on the global environment. But the person I read for this interfaith group wrote it from a very different perspective. He was looking at some recent scientific data about the whole globe, but the way he wrote was so dark. It reminded me of Isaiah. I want to read you a few lines from what he wrote. His conclusions are dire. Listen to what he says. New research described last month in Scientific America 
demonstrates that climate scientists, far from exaggerating the threat of climate change, have underestimated its pace and severity. Today, the scientific evidence verges on irrefutable. If you're younger than 60, you have a good chance of witnessing the radical destabilization of life on Earth, massive crop failures, apocalyptic fires, imploding economies, epic flooding. We know something about that one. Hundreds of millions of refugees fleeing regions made uninhabitable by extreme heat or permanent drought. If you're under 30, you're all but guaranteed to witness this. This guy's a modern-day Isaiah. He is saying darkness is going to befall the earth. But like Isaiah... Partly, he's writing to grab our attention. He uses evocative images to see if we will pay attention. Now, there's lots of variables in terms of climate change. Not everybody agrees with him. Some don't agree with the science. Some don't agree with his interpretation or his conclusion. People have different levels of hope in terms of what's happening and how we might proceed. But it got my attention getting me to think about climate change in a different way and take it more seriously maybe it got your attention too i think he has the same goal as isaiah they want us to look around and be more aware and more concerned about injustice they want us to notice problems and oppression they want us to work to make it better, to align ourselves with what they believe God is doing. They want to make sure that we're on the side of creating solutions and not on the side of contributing to the problem. They want us to think more deeply about what's going on in our world and respond as a person of faith who believes God is at work in the world for good. Isaiah talks about the darkness. But before this passage is over, he wants us to think about hope. He wants us to believe that hope is coming, that light is coming. Isaiah wants to proclaim God can change things in our world and in our lives. And further, he wants to say that we can be a part of the positive change when we pay attention. When we are aware, when we are sensitive, and we are, when we are responsive. I think this passage is really a call to believe, to be a people of faith. Listen again to how he begins this 60th chapter. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the people's. But the Lord will arise upon you, and His glory will appear over you. It raises a question for all of us about our relationship with God. Do we believe that God can change things? Do we believe that God is changing things? What is your view of all that? 
Or another way to ask the question I've put in your outline. What is your relationship with God? Is it a relationship of trust and confidence? That is, do you believe that God is at work for good, not only in your life, but in your community, in your country, in the world? One of our United Methodist pastors recently in his stewardship campaign said this to his people listen we're getting ready to ask you for money we need to raise the money for mission and ministry i'm going to do my part i want you to do your part god will do god's part and if all of us do that we will end up fine we will end up in a good place and we'll be ready to do mission and ministry in our community in our state and in our nation those are statements of faith. He's expressing a conviction that he believes that God is going to do God's part. He's proclaiming he's going to do his part, and he's calling the people to do your part. Together, in partnership with God, we can move into the future in a positive way. You can hear it throughout this passage. In verse 1, Isaiah writes, Arise, shine, for your light has come. Or in verse 4, lift up your eyes and look around. Verse 5, then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and rejoice. Isaiah is confident that if we look with the eyes of faith, we will see God at work and it will lift our spirits. It will thrill us. We will be ready to rejoice that we are living in relationship with God and that that makes all the difference in the lives and in the lives of others. Tomorrow begins the Christian season of Epiphany. You remember, if you were here at the beginning of December, we started a new Christian year, a liturgical calendar, the first season we call Advent, those four Sundays leading up to Christmas. And all those Sundays we talk about expecting for God to do something new and we talk about hope and peace and joy and love and light and we say God is coming in a new way and then in Christmas Eve and Christmas and for the 12 days of Christmas we declare God has done something new in the birth of this child this baby Jesus the Christ child God has come in a new way and God is revealing God's self to us as one who cares about us. And then today, tomorrow, we move into the season of Epiphany. Epiphany comes from a Greek word, Epiphania, which means to show forth or to manifest. We're expecting to be able to see God at work in the life of Christ. So these next several weeks, we'll be looking at the life of Christ and how God's love is revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. But it's not just a historical look. Epiphany calls us to more than that. It asks us to think and to explore some questions. How do we see God working in and through Christ? But it also asks us a follow-up question. How do we see God working in and through us? We're called to see not only God revealed in the life of Jesus, 
during his public ministry, during his trial, his death, and his resurrection, but to see how that manifests itself in the world through us as we walk these same pathways as we respond to the call of God. See, Isaiah is saying, and it's echoed in the Christian scriptures, that God not only cares about one baby born, but God cares about all the babies born. That God not only cares about one nation, but God cares about all the nations of the world. That God cares not only about Christ and how Christ walked the world, but God cares about us, each and every one of us, and how we walk on our journey while we are in the world. What role will you play? What role is God calling you to play in bringing more justice and more love and more peace and more harmony into the world? Last year, about this time, we had a group of leaders who'd been meeting, talking about our core values. We wanted to write down not only our sort of our vision and mission statement, but we wanted to write down our core values, sort of the things that make Boston Avenue distinctive that we emphasize in terms of decision making. We decided the very first one that we should state is that the Boston Avenue Church community believes and affirms that everyone, everyone, is a beloved child of God. Without exception, without categories, without distinctions, without discrimination, that anyone seeking a relationship with Christ is welcome here. That everyone is affirmed as a beloved child of God. Epiphany invites us to look deeper to try to see that in every person, to discern where God is working in the world, but also where God is working in our lives, where God wants to manifest something through us, where others might be able to see the light of the world being reflected through our lives. We'll be talking about that through this whole series of finding your place in the world. How can we do better at seeing God at work and discovering how we are a part of God's work. Often this paying attention and being more aware is called in Christian tradition spiritual formation or growing in grace or growing in faith. We have a whole group of people who've been working on that in their own lives. I've asked them to come together and make some of the practices that they are using to see God more, to grow deeper in faith, to discern how God is calling them, and share those ideas and those practices with us. So when you go out this morning on the counter, you'll see a little 8.5 by 11 sheet of paper. It's got a green border. It's a monthly calendar. It's going to have a spiritual formation question on it for you to think about throughout the month. It's going to have a scripture as a point of reflection to get you started thinking about these kind of things. It'll have a weekly theme. Every day it'll have a question or an idea for an activity or an affirmation you can use. It will suggest spiritual practices that you might be able to incorporate into your own life and your own spiritual growth. You'll see this showing up in different formats in our bulletins, in our weekly church newspaper, on our social media platforms, etc. 
to give you opportunity to connect wherever you want to connect with your growth in Christ. It is a spiritual formation calendar to help you walk through these days of epiphany and through these months of the new year. On Wednesday nights, we'll be offering adult discipleship classes. We've done this a lot, Bible studies and such, but this time we're paying special attention that every month in one of our classes, we'll have a spiritual practices class that is experiential. So I'm helping lead the first one. We'll start Wednesday night. We'll be using Dr. Amy Oden's book. She's a former Barton Clinton Gordy lecturer. She grew up in the Methodist Church in Oklahoma. She is a professor of Christian history, and in her book, she looks at the history of spiritual formation and what she calls in the book Christian mindfulness. She has lots of different exercises or practices or experiences in terms of how you might grow closer to God, how you might be able to discern God more clearly in your life. We'll be doing a lot of those experiences in the class Carol Moss, one of our church members, has been part of this task force. It's going to help me teach that. If you're interested, come on Wednesday night and be a part. We'll start at 6.30. But there'll be a class in January and February and March and throughout the year to help you with this. Isaiah is giving us a clarion call to make some new choices in the new year. This is a great passage to get us started to see if we're ready to make some new choices, to take advantage of some of these opportunities to grow in faith. I believe that if you'll make some of these choices and try some of these practices, it'll put you in a better position to feel connected more closely and more deeply with God, to have a clearer sense of God's call upon your life and to experience the abundant life that we're promised in Jesus Christ. Isaiah says, see, the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. May it be so for each and all of us in this year. Amen.